podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Guru, good to see you. Uh, I can see smell, you smell the incense from here, which is, I mean, that's another one of your magical tricks that that can come permeate through the screen, but, but apparently you can make smell a vision. Smell yeah. vision. Well, I'm glad if we are in smell vision mode that Propo isn't here. Again, uh, <laughs> frankly, I'm starting to get concerned after making, you know, a few more appearances than usual in recent weeks and just showing a little bit of commitment. Of course, he's all across edge rush because he is a degenerate gambler. But everything else, I just don't, I just think he's checked out. I mean, is he, is he, are we talking Adam Lazard levels of checking out? Degenerate gambler is the nicest thing I've heard anyone say about Ollie for a while. <laughs> I think Ollie might be. Copyright off- Cousin Sal, by the way. Shout out Cousin yeah. Sal for that. <laughs> he might be, uh, he might be out celebrating our man, Ollie Thornton. Uh, he might be out celebrate, celebrate. Oh yes, he might be out celebrate. It's a very good point because improbably, some might say, Propo in the money for daily fantasy last week uh, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. what uh did he what did he win he didn't win the he league, did he? he won i mean the clock what? strikes you know broken clock is, is right twice a day he won um, the listener league he did he did the, the paid league oh my god i don't think i've ever does he know, <laughs> does he know I, if he, he hasn't won? if he hasn't been lording it over you since probably not i don't think I he knows because he started shout out to ollie started um uh, a, a new gig. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. So, uh, and don't worry, gang. He's not going anywhere. We're all just joking about. He's not going anywhere from the it's, NC show. But he's he's added a new gig to his portfolio, and he's, he's been pretty busy this week. So I'm not sure right. he knows that he's won it. Is this this um, famed New Orleans uh, gentleman's club that I've heard so much about? <laughs> yeah, he's the new MC at, slash DJ <laughs> at, the, at the Glass Slipper. Um, my God. Propo winning the listener league. I did all right. You'd be proud of me. I dallied and was brave and forayed out from the listener leagues or as well as, as our listener leagues into the wider DraftKings universe. And you'd be proud of me, Guru, because I, I won $13 for our charity bank last week. Not bad, huh? It's pretty good. I mean, look, you know, we've been doing this show for... Um... I don't know, 20, 20 weeks, these things are starting to tot up to accumulate. Yeah. Well, certainly not making as much money as the Natism charity box, which is over a grand, apparently, according to Propo. That will be totted up uh, post Super Bowl. And we will be uh, giving that money in terms of everything we've won as well on DraftKings uh, over to uh, a charity of choice. A few of you have asked which charity, and we still haven't 100% decided yet because there are obviously so many worthy causes. We are definitely going to be having shelter in the mix, but whether we mix it up a bit, I guess it depends um, how much more we can make. So focus now as we get to the playoffs because Daily Fantasy is still rolling, DraftKings still rolling. We will have a show team. You guys out there can still play, and there is still, as always, as is every week, as with every week, I should say, uh, a free-to-enter contest in our listener league. Uh, and if you want to roll the dice a bit more, then there are pay-to-play contests, including one in our listener league. And as I said, out there as well. So you can just have fun with this. Uh, no cost to you, or you can roll the dice a bit if you so choose to do that. Either way, the link to join the league in our show notes. It's over on Twitter as well. Uh, so that's how you get involved and play us. Right. We'll get down to that show team uh, in a bit. 
But let's kick off ahead of Super Wildcard. We can never forget the Super James Sandrini with some key injuries that will inevitably affect those games, but also the team you end up picking if you're playing Daily Fantasy this weekend. If you're in a dynasty league, then you should be thinking about these as well. So let's start with the quarterback situation as we expected. No Lamar, no Tua. Do we see Lamar at all this season again if the Ravens get past the Bengals in the unlikely event? Let's face it, they get past the Bengals. Are we gonna are we gonna see Lamar? Are they gonna roll the dice with him if they get to the divisional round? It seems unlikely. He has a PCL injury. They're slow to heal. It seems that the Ravens conspired to keep the se- the severity of the injury away from the press. And it was only Lamar coming out, I think, yesterday um, and suggesting that it's quite serious. He hasn't mm-hmm. practiced at all. It would be a huge step. Obviously, Lamar is a game-changing presence. And even if you had him on the bench and you could bring him on in the fourth quarter of a close game, then then perhaps they would do that. But mm-hmm. I think this is Tyler Huntley uh, on in for as long as the Ravens maintain their presence in the postseason. What do you think this does to Lamar's negotiating position with regards to renewal in the sense that eh, sometimes I kind of used to think about this back in my formative years as a stand-up, like, like players, you always want to play, but sometimes there would be, you know, a bare pit of a gig. (laughs) And I'd be thinking if the gig got pulled now because a fight broke out, could probably live with that because this could go this could go horribly horribly wrong actually ironically some of my best gigs ever were in bear pit gigs but i hope you get my point lamar disappointing obviously for him and for the ravens that he can't take part in the postseason but i think it is fair to say that baltimore are amongst the outsiders to put any kind of serious run together even with him right so actually the position he's in now when he goes to look at cutting a new deal as you were as a poster he plays against the Bengals he plays against the Chiefs and has a mare that might start the whole Lamar can't do it in the playoffs is he really up there with Mahomes and co and Josh Allen and Burrow at that top top tier is he more or less likely because of this injury to cut the deal he wants or do you think it doesn't matter two sides of the argument I mean the Ravens haven't scored more than 17 since November this team has been anemic without Lamar. It's built around Lamar and it's very hard to replace a talent like that. Huntley has some similar traits, but nowhere near as dangerous on the ground and, and, and can't win games on his own like Lamar can. So you could look at it from one perspective and say, well, look what happens when you lose Lamar. You know, mm. he is the centerpiece of this offense. You'd have to completely rebuild this scheme if he goes. Is that something that Harbour and the, the front office want to do? On the other side, with injury this can always create a bit of consternation between team and player in terms of how it's being handled. Raver, uh, sorry, uh, Lamar is his own agent in the mm. negotiating process. If he feels that he hasn't been treated well, you know, and he feels that there's been a lack of communication potentially, then, or that the team hasn't been supported, then that could be a reason why he, he chooses to, to take his talents elsewhere. But I, I, I do think that Lamar comes back and I think they figure this out in the off season. Mm, okay. Speaking of off-season and next season, it's something we got into a bit with J-Bell on the show. That is in the vault, incidentally. Really, really vintage J-Bell performance. Of course, it's going to be when J-Bell is in the house. But we talked about Tua. We talked about um, the obvious concerns with him. 
and I think we talked about it on Edge Rush as well, thinking about it, the increasingly loud rumors flying around that Tua could be in serious jeopardy to ever play again or to be able to fulfill a long career because of the close proximities of these concussion injuries. Now, the positive news as far as he is concerned and the, and the Dolphins ultimately are concerned is that they don't risk him again this season. That should be enough time ahead of September 23 for it to correct itself. Uh, but it's a huge, huge problem, isn't it? That even if there is that amount of daylight between the issues he's had this season and next season, what the hell happens, Guru, if he gets one, two, God forbid, three concussions in the 23 season? I mean, it just, it's unsustainable, isn't it? It, it can't go on. There's a very real chance that Tua's career could be cut short here. Again, just a flag, not a doctor, uh, but... Dr. James See, Andrini, University of West Las Vegas. <laughs> That's it. Bought online. Not With a medical brain, doctor. Not a medical doctor. With brain injuries, mm. they are not like other injuries. So if a player snaps his ACL twice in his career, or if he has you know, six, uh, significant, I don't know, elbow or calf or so on injuries, you can recover. And the fact that you might have a year before you come back and play puts you in a position where you are able to return potentially at full strength with brain injuries. It's not the same. And the NFL has started to wake up to that over the last, particularly the last few months, but but over the last few years and the danger obviously for the sport and the individual um, as a result of what we've seen, you know, with CTE over the last decade plus mm. is too great a risk to play. And, and players are more aware now. And obviously, you know, two is a very smart guy. If he felt that his life as he knows it, you know, perhaps not um, with physical injury, but with mental injury, mm. was in danger, then at some point you walk away. And we're seeing more players walk away from the game at younger ages right. than we had previously. You know, and again, they're able, they're, they can afford to do so. I don't know enough about wh whether two is in that position or not and how he feels about this. None of us do. And we don't know the severity of the injury. We don't even know if he's had two or three concussions this season. Depends how you how you look back on I'm the course of the, of the events, had three. right? You'd think, right? So three in a short period of time is is a lot. Mm. Um, what the the issue with CTA isn't the occasional brain injury, or indeed, because that's what we're talking about here. I think it's important to separate. You know, we use the term concussion because it's a uh, medical term that, in some way, masks the issue. But it's a brain injury. You know, it's bruising mm -hmm. to your brain. So CTE comes about when you have successive brain injuries, in particularly in short order. So to your point, a doctor will be there speaking to her, and indeed going into next season, what would assume and saying, you know, this is probably a point where we would stop if this were to happen again, X amount of times, and whether mm. that's one or more don't know, but it's a significant concern, hopefully one that doesn't bear out. But I think Miami are well set with Teddy as the backup. We've spoken over the last few weeks about the role of, of backups becoming more, more vital over the course of coming seasons. Uh, Skylar will start on We'll start this weekend mm -hmm. uh, that probably doesn't bode particularly well for the Dolphins chances but you know Miami moving forward at least have a contingency plan uh okay let's move on to the ground game and let's stay with Miami although I want to ask about Gus Edwards as well conflicting reports coming out of the Finns and Ravens camps respectively ahead of this weekend with Raheem Mostert not so good Gus Edwards back in training looks like he will be good to go, right? So what do we think about Mostert, first of all, is there's a chance he'll play, but 
doesn't bode well because he is obviously going to be a pivotal piece if the if the Finns are going to pull any kind of upset. What is your take on that? Should we be steering clear of him in our daily lineups? I think so. He didn't practice on Thursday, and that's usually the marker. If a player gets in a limited practice on a Thursday and a limited on a Friday, they're usually good to go for the weekend. But mm. we didn't see Mostert on Thursday. He's got a broken thumb, so his ability to hold on to the football, you'd think, would be damaged. They have Jeff Wilson, who's a very similar player, perhaps without that burst that Mostert brings. We saw a bit of Salvan Ahmed in yeah. um, in their last game against the Jets. You know, I think he would be in there as well. How much this team's going to rely on the run? You'd think that they'd need to play catch up here with the Bills. Mm-hmm. Let's see. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd struggle to see Mostert out there. Gus Edwards looking better. Yes, uh, he's had concussion. So as, as ever, a bit of a black box in terms of what will actually happen on, on game day. J.K. Yeah. Dobbins would be the lead back. We saw Kenyon Drake against the Bengals last week. You know, they have options there. They've got Justice Hill. It's a committee for pass catching duty for the Ravens. That's one thing to consider from a fantasy perspective. If Dobbins is asked to take the lead and you'd think that he would be 60-40, something like that, then he's a, he's a potential sneaky play this week. But only if you think game script favours the Ravens because they're really only going to be able to run the ball effectively if they have the lead. Okay. One player we talked a lot about on edge rush, and that is in the vault as well. Me propos Crystal Tom in the house for this one, as he will be for all of the SBK edge rushes throughout the course of the playoffs. One of the games I think we are most excited about, and I, I suspect Guru, you will be in agreement with us on this is the Jags charges. And it's a game that around the NFL world is, is really dividing opinion in terms of picks. I'm big on the Jags. I'll be even more so on them winning this. If Mike Williams doesn't start for, for the charges for obvious reasons, back injury listed as questionable. What are we thinking? Cause of course this is Saturday. Uh, he hasn't practiced. Do you practice Thursday? No. No, he's. I mean, he's a game time, true game time decision, as they mm-hmm. call it. Questionable with a back injury. That back injury, you would assume, saps some of his explosion. You know, that's very much his game. He's that big wide out who plays. You know, X goes on those post routes down the field, and you lob it up to him if he can't jump as well as he'd like. How effective can he be? Josh Palmer is the one waiting in the wings. I, I don't know if Williams plays. We'll find out. I think that the narrative here with the Chargers. I think you're right or savvy to look at the Jags. The Chargers. We all think of them as this high-powered offense. They've lacked receivers this year, sure, Mm -hmm. but their yards per play is in with the likes of New England, Chicago, the Giants, and Cleveland. You know, that's the tier that they're in over the course of this season. And Herbert's been healthy at least the second half of the season and and probably a bit more than that. So we we shouldn't be thinking of this team as this high-powered offense. The Jags equally have had their struggles, but they're they're probably a better offense all around than than LA. Yeah, and they can run all over them. I won't... uh harp on about uh Travis Etienne too much other than because I already have on about 15 different episodes of the show this week other than I think he's gonna have a big week I like him he's definitely going in my daily fantasy team is he in yours guru let's have a look negative negative uh but you have got okay I'm not gonna show you hand too much but you got at least one jag in there I like to see that I like to see that so that's good news for me because I'm big on big on the jags this weekend as far as the uh as far as what I'm taking in terms of action what about Propo and his Bengals? Because trouble brewing on their offensive line. They are banged up. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to be here to lend his perspective. Mm. The Alex Kappa, I mean, you mentioned this on Edge Rush uh, briefly. Alex Kappa's out. Leo Collins obviously is now on IR. That's mm. two key pieces of this rebuilt O-line that's been 
that hasn't been great during the course of the season, frankly. Like they've probably been better than they were last year. That wasn't a high bar. They're 30th in pass blocking per PFS, PFF. They're 25th in run blocking. And now they've lost two of their best linemen in successive weeks. They're up against the Ravens D that particularly after the move that they made mid-season with Roquan, fifth in sacks, top half in every defensive metric per PFF. I think a real danger is playing a divisional opponent two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Last week, uh, the Ravens would have had a good look at how the Bengals want to play. The mm-hmm. Bengals aren't the most creative offense. You know, we've heard that. We've had that conversation as well on this uh, show. So for the Bengals up against a good Ravens D, very good Ravens D, without two of their best, particularly pass blocking uh, offensive tackles, or sorry, offensive tackle, offensive linemen, mm. it's a worry. And I think this could be a really tight, low, low scoring affair. Yeah, well, that was, you've answered what my next question was going to be. Do you think they'll keep, uh, cover the spread? A lot of people, a lot of sharps, as Propo is telling us on the Ravens to, to keep this tight. And that certainly uh, underpins that position, I think. Really, really intriguing game. There are a lot of intriguing games this, this weekend, huh? I mean, as you would have heard on Edge Rush, big, I'm big on the Vikings to cover, but that is one that is absolutely dividing opinion. The Cowboys, Bucks, I mean, straight down the line on which way you're leaning there as well. So for all this negativity about, the expansion of the playoffs, the extra team. Uh, and I get the argument uh, that it's stacked unfairly against the number two seed not getting that first round by. I understand that. And I know that there are some games that could end up being blowouts here. But back in the good old days of a reduced playoff field, there were blowouts as well. So I am uh, I think I think the positive outweighs the negative. And just in terms of the intrigue, it keeps into the season as well with teams in the mix with that extra spot. Where are you on the expanded playoffs? If you commissioner Sandrini is a vision, I would like to see at some point, presumably if you were commish every uh, office, every cubicle in the New York office would have to have a bonsai tree, a little mini Buddha and some incense burning, right? Complete fire risk. That's uh, <laughs> that's the office building. I'm, I'm going with. <laughs> you love it. Yeah, my view, and I think I'm in line with you on this now, that the divisions don't really mean much at this point. You play so many games outside of your division. I, th- I think I understand the need for divisions. No issue uh, with them existing. Teams should pl- have those rivalries. They've existed for a long time. But being used in playoff seeding in particular mm. doesn't make any sense to me. The Bucks are 8-9 and nine this season, and they're ahead of the Cowboys. They're hosting the Cowboys. who have got four more wins. The seventh team, look, I, I think it's inevitable that this grows over time, like college football you know Mm -hmm. there's always gonna be more thirst for the dollars that these games bring when you see teams in the playoffs this is basketball's problem you know when you see teams in the playoffs with 500 records Mm -hmm. to me that's a problem and we didn't see it this season the Dolphins managed to squeeze uh, a ninth win out as did the Eagles uh, sorry as did the Seahawks but I think overall there's a part of me that feels that those teams shouldn't be invited to the dance Uh, as a purist I'd probably go for a leaner uh, a leaner playoff structure, but but I don't think that's in that's the future. I think the future is to grow grow the game, and growing the game means more teams, more divisions, and more playoff games. Would you like a bigger NFL, more than thirty two teams? I think it's I think that's inevitable as well. Mm. You know, I think I, it might take a few years. We went through this period what in the early two thousand late nineties, early two thousands, where a number of franchises were added and we've had this gap now for about 20 years but there's no lack look at the money that's going into buying franchises you know denver was a good four bill right so there's there's obviously demand they're looking at europe i I wouldn't be surprised if we had another spate in a year well maybe three or four years time a group of teams come in over a five-year period um to take this to i guess 36 is the next logical number 36 wow wow look as long as reno gets a team i'm happy 
<laughs> read a rehab baby. All right. Before we look ahead at your show team this week, and indeed continue and finish complete, I should say, the fantasy feature and a season review, we looked last week uh, at quarterbacks, running backs. We're going to look at receivers and tight ends and what you have learned and therefore what we have learned from you, Guru, uh, in terms of how those positions played out and individuals therein. Let's get into some other interesting news kicking around in the last 24 hours or so. In terms of players on the move, D-Hop most interestingly. I mean, if I'm a Cardinals fan right now, and I know there are going to be a number out there listening to the show, shout out to you guys, and I sympathize. Because if you flash back, let's call it 14 months, on top of the world, the best team in football, the best record in football, Kyler's wowing, the D-Hop tandem is on a roll, we're heading to the playoffs. Kingsbury's more than just a pretty face. And here we are, James, a year on, it's all gone horribly wrong. Kingsbury jettisoned after that ridiculous contract extension. And I say ridiculous contract extension with 2020 hindsight, but you're going to pay the money and then get rid that quickly. Madness. Kyler, obviously, they paid, but they didn't need to. And now D-Hop is going to be dealt. What the hell is going on in Arizona? Are they now set for a three, four year development phase? Or is there a way that they can turn this around, given they do have one of the better quarterbacks in the league and get back into contention quickly with some shrewd moves? What do you think? What does the future look like for for the cards? There's an organizational reset, you know, to change GM, change a coach in the same offseason. Obviously, mm-hmm. Kyler... Kyler's injury changes their prospects for next season. We don't expect him to be 100% or he, there's some word that he might not even be back for the start of the season. Mm. Hopkins, by all accounts, demanded the trade. He's 30 now. He's probably got two or three years left. I mean, he's, he's an elite receiver still at 30. But, you know, these players tend to tail off, particularly the role that he plays. Yeah. So, you know, he's probably got two or three good years good left. Good years left. He's going to want to spend them somewhere where he can compete for a championship. That isn't going to be Arizona, you would think. But I don't think it's going to be a three, four-year rebuild necessarily with some savvy drafting and player acquisition, right? You know, Kyler mm-hmm. will will return at some point as a top 10 QB in the league. Some people might be far higher on him than that. They have pieces uh, particularly offensively, but rebuild the line, work on the defense. There's there's work to do, but it, this is a league of parity and they might only be one or two players away from at least being a playoff contender. Mm. Um, whether they're a championship team, you know, that's obviously a, a bigger question to answer a longer period of time. But D-Hop seems almost certain to go. I'm not sure exactly what they'll get for him. You know, big contract, perhaps they can re- get a mid-round pick because of his age. Um, mm-hmm. And then the question is where he goes. And, and that's probably a more interesting conversation for the off season. Okay. Um, yeah. Landing spot is interesting. I mean, I've seen a few things, obvious destinations people are touting without necessarily thinking it through in terms of cap space and draft position and everything else. But I mean, for example, I mean, the, I mean, the Patriots is intriguing because he's exactly the kind of player I think Belichick would like. He's, you know, I remember when they got most Sanu a few years ago, and I know Sanu hasn't necessarily hit the heights or didn't hit the heights of D-Hop, but a very smart player. It didn't work for him in New England, but I can see Belichick liking that, liking him as a player. 
but I'm not sure if he wants out of Arizona because he doesn't think they're contenders. If he's going to go to New England, Baltimore, we said all season long, they need a number one receiver. That that could make sense. People inevitably touting Green Bay as well. What do you think? Where do you think kind of be theoretical landing spots for him? Those are three good options. Mm. Um, cap space is obviously a key consideration. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to be commanding 20 mil plus per season. The Patriots might hire an offensive coordinator. That's the latest out of uh, New England. So that could play a role in terms of how they see that offense shaking up moving forward. I, I, I do think that the Ravens are, a, I mean, look, it's very early and there's going to be a number of teams in this conversation, but, you know, a team that, if particularly with Lamar back, that will mm-hmm. look to find a experienced wide receiver and, and also teams that maybe have struggled to find that talent in the draft that might just not trust themselves to to pull one out. This receiver class is good. I, I think it's it's good, particularly at the top end, but it probably lacks depth. So mm. if you're picking late in the round or you don't want to spend a first round pick on a receiver as well and you think mm. your window is now to win a Super Bowl, then D-Hop's your guy. Okay, watch that space, as you rightly say, and it's something, of course, we will be getting into in the offseason. Speaking of which, we are going to be rolling through the offseason as well. Do not think for a second... We are going to ease up content flying all year round here on the NC show. I know you're going to want to be a part of that guru. Brandon Cooks, well, he doesn't want to be a part of the Texans. So he might want to be a part of it or more realistically, he might find himself another team. But I don't know. Is there a market? I've always liked Brandon Cooks, but it's good. Oh, I think good. so. Yeah, mm. I, I think he's an underrated receiver. We didn't see his best this year. This team struggled out of the gate. They changed mm-hmm. QBs, you know, the the hybrid QB offer that they put out later in the season, probably wasn't yeah. going to get it done. He yeah. he walked away from the team after the trade deadline. They couldn't make a deal at this point. They're still very much in rebuild mode. Mode. He's 29, I think. Cooks yeah. still has deep speed, proved yeah. towards the end of the season that he's, you know, capable of red zone threat. I think he'll have a market. And I actually think if you're looking at, you know, a mid-tier receiver to add, he is the kind of player that, could take a team over the top. I, I, a lot of time for Brandon Cooks. Like Cooks, I do as well. Okay, that's interesting. Let's get down to business now. L- starting, obviously, Propo winning. Holly Thornton question. Outrageous, mark. isn't it? Outrageous. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I, we're not going to hear the end of this, are we? Oh, there might God. be another Holly Thornton. Oh, maybe. Or maybe, yeah. Maybe it's like a burner account that yeah. someone's created. <laughs> um, okay, Holly Thornton wins the paid. Derry 83 winning our free contest. With some bold picks, Colts D. I mean, they that game against Houston was wild, <laughs> Ooh, but they had the turn, they had the turnovers, and yeah. they also had Latavius Murray, the ghost of Latavius Murray, in there as well. Um, yeah, Ollie had Zach Moss again, ballsy. Mm-hmm. KJ Osborne, which is a really good pick because they were always going to rely on him as the the third receiver once the the other once the stars exited, and mm-hmm. he had Steph Diggs as well. And that Bills Patriots game turned out in a way that I don't think anyone expected. So yeah, well done to Derry and uh, to Propo saluting you well done and as i said those contests both live the free to enter and the five dollar to enter contest over in the nc show league so go get involved with that right your end of season report cards for let's go wide receivers next so what who excelled who surprised you either way good or bad what were your key learnings from the wide receiver class of 2022 yeah let's start with that in terms of a theme if we look back at the season at receiver there's never been more passing in the league, but we're seeing this dispersion of touchdowns. So historically, your team, you'd have a number one receiver, you'd go to them all the time, you'd hammer it down your opponent's throats. You can't do that anymore. It just doesn't work as effectively. So last year, we had 12 players with nine plus touchdowns. This year, just five. And there were Adams, Brown, 
Diggs, Cooper and Justin Jefferson. We're seeing this rise of 11 personnel, more mm-hmm. nickel coverage in the league. So three receivers out there, plus often a tight end, plus a running back that can catch. You know, teams are no longer relying on the single running back. They're having this fleet of running backs, one of whom comes in on third down on a two-minute drill or around the goal line, wherever it may be. So there's just more ways to distribute the ball, particularly around the goal line. And that's resulting in this dispersion of touchdowns what that means for fantasy is from a dfs perspective you can go deeper you can find more options that particularly at places like tight end where really the touchdown is the difference between whether they are playable or not mm-hmm. you can take a few more risks there but it also means that some of those superstars like you know someone like a justin jefferson probably isn't going to reach 10 plus touchdowns all that often during the course of his career there are a few cyborgs out there like kelsey and Devontae and so on who just attract the the deep who just get the ball in and around the goal line but there aren't nearly as many of those um as we used to see so I think mm. that's the real key takeaway for me it's just this spread offense and the number of different players that can score you touchdowns now um and then three players to hone in on so one mm. is Amon Ra the sun god in Detroit Amon <laughs> Ra is the prototypical modern possession receiver you know he is the Michael Thomas of mm-hmm. the 2020s Chris Godwin's probably worth a mention there as well, just in terms of, you know, that body type, DJ Moore, you know, if you had a quarterback, that kind of body type, that kind of presence on the field. This year, seventh in points, ninth in points per game for Amon Ra, 1,100 yards, only six TDs. That's probably where he's he's going to struggle to break uh, out. If they change QB from Goff, Goff loves the slot. Uh, maybe yeah. that changes his prognosis as well. And also next year, you've got Jameson Williams, DJ Chark could be back. DeAndre Swift, you'd imagine, would emerge more after being limited. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe we don't see him with those spike weeks that we've seen at various points. But he's just such a great bet for ten targets, eight receptions, and ninety-four yards every week. That he's one mm. of the most reliable players. And, and and when I mean that type, like a Godwin, that's what I mean, like hyper reliability. Yeah. Um, and Amon Ra's now in that group. Yeah, love that. Okay, who else is on your list? Devonte Smith. Um, the Slim Reaper. So when he came into the league, you know, he's very much overshadowed by Chase last year. Everyone viewed Chase as, you know, maybe the wide receiver one in the league. And Devontae was, you know, maybe a, a wide receiver three in fantasy. Mm-hmm. He's now moved up to, I mean, I think he was 10th this year or ninth even in points. So wide receiver one numbers, um, even if he's the wide receiver two on his team, you know, this team has been so effective offensively. His last five weeks uh, for fantasy, Purposes, wide receiver nine, wide receiver 14, wide receiver 14, wide receiver two, wide receiver 14. Like he really grew as the season went along. He was incredibly consistent over the second half of the year. Ended up with again, 1100 yards, seven touchdowns. And this group moving forward, Hertz, Brown and Goddard are really locked in for the future. So if the line stays as strong as it is, and that might be a big ask, you know, we've seen Mm. them curtail without Lane Johnson on the right side of this line. And there's a few players getting a bit older there, um, like Mm. Jason Kelsey. But, you know, they have the weapons to keep this going forward and, and Devontae Smith has a key role. Okay. Any more for any more in the receivers? You said there were three, right? Yeah, one more. So Christian Watson, I, th- I think you can't mm. look back at this fantasy season without talking about him. Just a complete boom bust prospect. And we saw that, <laughs> you know, right from the first play of the year. Yeah. Um, where he dropped that, that Rogers catch. So why well, receiver 44 on the season, only 500 yards. This is only looking at the fantasy season. So it doesn't include week 18, but seven touchdowns. Weeks 10 to 13, so this incredible sweet spot for him. Why receiver one? Why receiver four? Why receiver six? Why receiver four? From a DFS perspective, from a best ball perspective, he's an incredible get because when he goes off, he goes off. You know, both from a deep threat, so you're going to get the yards plus touchdowns. He's a big receiver, but we're going to see some lean weeks. So you've got to accept that. He's your Mike Williams type if you're thinking about both 
body type, where he plays, how he plays over the course of the season. Does Rogers come back? Does this O line uh, is this O line as healthy as it's been in the last couple of weeks, or what it was for the first three quarters of the season? Will they ty- find more receivers? We just mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know. You know, I just don't know with Watson whether he's going to be a Chase Claypool or whether he's going to be a Mike Williams. Mm. And um, that's your probable range of outcomes. But he's a really intriguing prospect and has proven to be far more effective, I think, than a lot of fantasy analysts would have said this season. Yeah, I love that. That's an interesting three. Okay, uh, tight end. You got three of them as well? Yeah, first one, TJ Hawkinson. His move to Minnesota just unlocked him. Um, He's been the number two in their offense since that move. He's tight end two in points. And points per game, tight end two in catches and targets, you know, this incredible role that he takes in a high-powered offense that throws the ball regularly. And he's been the, the red zone threat. And I think particularly if you look moving forward, you know, Justin Jefferson is not a big target. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Thielen is fading close to the end, you would think. Yeah. Um, Irv Smith, the other tight end, is is a small receiver. KJ Osborne's not going to be that guy. They don't go to the running backs in and around the goal line as much as they have under previous regimes. So looking forward, Hawkinson's role around the red zone seems to be locked in. Um, He was, remember, the number eight overall pick in 2019. He was meant to be this next generation of leading tight end in the league. And and we're starting to see that. And he's a great player to watch. I think he's a really enjoyable football player. Yeah, I love him. Love it. I love the move as well. And I also love the fact that he is a Viking as they are Mike Drew Lock of the week this weekend. So big in the red zone. Go TJ. So TJ's in the mix. Who else? Yeah, I mean, TJ would be a great pick this week. I don't think he made our mm-hmm. team for budget reasons, but we've gone with another player. I will <laughs> reveal that one that's coming next, and that's Evan Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. Tight end five on the season. 94 targets from the tight end position. He's not really a tight end in how they use him. He wasn't in New York, but things fell apart in New York. I think probably off the field as much as on it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely on the DFS radar every week. He's a spike week type player. Looking forward, Calvin Ridley is coming in. But you'd think this offense continues to improve under Trevor Lawrence and they have the ability to make some moves. So he seems to be their move tight end moving forward. And that's going to be really valuable in this team. Um, And I will mention one more tight end and that's Mm -hmm. Carl Pitts. So on the other end of the spectrum in terms of expectation versus reality. Mm. Ended at tight end 31, obviously ended on IR. Um, He was drafted in the top five in redraft. And I think he should be again. You know, he was drafted as probably the tight end one if you're in a, a dynasty start up over the course of last season over the course of the off season however reasons to be positive mm. tight end one overall in target rate percentage on his team in air yard share on his team in deep targets on his team desmond ridder has looked better than mariota particularly over the last couple of games and probably gets a start next year yeah i think i think they pass the ball more this next season i think they have to um so pitts he hasn't had the season we would have all wanted or expected, but there's some green shoots for him moving forward. Love that. Brilliant stuff, Guru. Right, let's wrap with your show team. Firstly, parameters for DraftKings. So full slate, right? Full slate of all the yeah. wildcard games you can pick from. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time we've done this all season where we've had all the games to pick from. Obviously, it's a reduced slate in terms of the number of games, but you can go from anything from your Saturday evening to your Monday night. Exciting. And you'll find contest specific as well to certain days and certain games as well i noticed there are contests on DraftKings. you could pick like a monday night football just bucks and cowboys players that gets interesting yeah i really enjoy those games if i'm honest in terms of what i tend to play dfs more for because you can really hone in on that one game and uh you know try and pick out that yeah just try and pick out that it's a bit of hierarchy you know Mm. which of the qbs do you pick or or both potentially do you find this um you know unheralded receiver or tight end that you think is just going to pop out in that game it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's good fun Love that. Okay, but we'll concentrate on the big picture, all game slate. I'm a little bit worried, given what I just told you about my Drew Lock of the Week, with the quarterback pick. 
You've gone with Danny Dimes as your quarterback. Tell me more. Danny Vic, uh, Danny G3, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call him at this point. Um, yeah, look, 5,600. So he's cheap for a QB. This game it has the highest over-under. I think rightfully so. These are two mm-hmm. defenses that are going to struggle to stop each other. With 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 Danny Dimes, he's had 10 plus rushes three times in his last five. He's had 708 rushing yards on the season. He's in that top five range for, for running QB. So he has this floor that the rushing provides. It's a playoff game. You know, if you're ever going to run the guy, it's going to be now. He had 334 yards passing, which was his high during the course of the season against Minnesota in week 16. Um, and the Vikings are 26th against QB. So the value is there for for Danny Jones. But uh, Kirk Cousins is an equally good play because I think this is the game where the points will be. Agreed totally. I like the over in it too, for sure. Although I do, th- I think the Vikings canter away with it, which is obviously what I think because they're, uh, well, the three point cover is the Drew lot, but I think they win it more comfortably than that. And I don't know, close games, 11, I know, blah, blah, blah. I think, I think the Vikings, as you know, I feel are the most underrated team in these, in these playoffs right now. The 49ers, many people's favorites for the NFC, and that is why. Uh, and it's something I wrote about this week. The NFC field fascinates me because I think you can make a case for pretty much any team to win the Super Bowl in the NFC uh, while in the NFC playoff mix, with the exception of probably Seattle. I, mm. I could think you could make a case because Dallas and Tampa Bay are playing each other and then or the win obviously is just two games away from uh, the Super Bowl. Minnesota, I think, are vastly underrated. Obviously, the, fa- the 49ers are credible favorites uh, and I see why. Uh, and I think they take care of business very easily against Seattle. And you've got McC- for McCaffrey, his list is questionable on the DraftKings site, though. He's been questionable for three or four weeks. Oh, okay. I think yeah, yeah. I think it's guaranteed to play. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a phrase that I know Popo likes when the uh, lights shine brightest. Is that how it starts? Lights are bright ones, something light bright. Yeah, yeah. stars come out, whatever. <laughs> the stars come out. That's that... it. Um, there's going to be rain. It's the only game that's seemingly going to be affected by weather. So rain suggests that they would rely more on the run game. I think mm. Brock Purdy in the playoffs, you know, if you're Shanahan, you think about trying to make things simple for him and you know the simplest thing to do is hand the ball off or you know sling it out to McCaffrey around the line of scrimmage um this is these are the playoffs you know if you're ever gonna McCaffrey you brought him in for this this is his mm-hmm. uh his role in Seattle's 30th against running backs the only thing I would temper with McCaffrey is mm. the Niners have so many weapons that you know it could be a Debo Samuel game it could be a Brandon yeah. Ayuk game it could be a George Kittle game yeah, Mitchell's it, back it, yeah everybody Elijah everybody's Mitchell's right. back yeah, yeah. That, so you know he's he's the most expensive player on the slate and that mm-hmm. is what worries me but I, I just get the feeling that if you're going to bring the guy in for anything then it's this and I actually think this game might be closer than people think uh, I also think Ken Walker is a surprisingly good player I know that San Francisco has this incredible rush D but it I think it really tapered off over the last few weeks they allowed mm-hmm. touchdowns to running backs in their last two mm-hmm. Walker has 27 touches a game over his last three. Walker's mm-hmm. a good player at 6,100 if you don't go McCaffrey. Okay, love that. Uh, by the way, join me and Propo live on TalkSport 2 from 9 o'clock for Seahawks 49ers. We'll be covering that one this weekend on the UK radio home of the NFL TalkSport. Uh, right, playoff Lenny, of course. you got to pick playoff Lenny. He's the name. in. Yeah, just solely because of the name. Um, Fournette for 5-3 in the Tampa Bay... Uh, Dallas game. You've then got in terms of your receiver tandem, or oh, uh, uh, trifecta for Diggs, Godwin. Ah, and interesting. You've gone back to the well for the Giants, Vikings. Talk us through your receiver strategy. Yeah, quick note on Lenny, just mm. to say 
this run game is the least efficient in the league, mm -hmm. but fourth in targets, third in catches and yards from the running back position. Mm -hmm. Playoffs, they could throw the ball 50 times here with Brady. I know they'll want to get the run going and I think Lenny might get a chance around the goal line, but I, I just like the fact that he's the, the number right. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and out of the backfield in the past game. Um, receivers, so... Mm -hmm. Big temptation to play Justin Jefferson this week because we think there's going to be a lot of points in Minnesota. I just couldn't quite fit him in from a budget perspective. So great second choice here, Steph Diggs. 7,600. We expect the Bills to score regularly against mm -hmm. Miami. Miami's not had a great defense during the course of this season. They're bottom five in coverage grade per PFF. Allen looked to be 100% last week after struggling with an elbow injury. And Diggs is kind of due. You know, he had a sec quiet second half of the season as mm. Allen had his struggles until last week. And I just feel that they don't trust they don't trust the other receivers, frankly. They don't trust McKenzie at this point. Um, they've obviously rotated the backfield. I'm not sure they're too enamored with either, either Singletree or Cook just yet. Mm. Uh, Cook may, may advance over the course of next season. And Gabriel Davis has been disappointing and mm. has had his drop. So Diggs, I think, is the guy you turn to in the playoffs. This is the key thing for people to remember. We spoke about week 18, you need a specific plan because teams play younger players or they pull their starters. In the playoffs, focus on the centerpieces of offenses where, if in doubt, the play call is going to go to or the QB's eyes are going to go to, knowing they have to get that third down or they have mm -hmm. to make a play. Okay. Um, yeah, the other two. So Chris Godwin, quickly, he's just Mr. Reliable. We spoke about Amon Ra. He is that role. If they throw mm -hmm. the ball 50 times, then he's going to be getting 14 targets. And he's improved as the season's gone along, having recovered from his ACL injury. And then Isaiah Hodgins. So Hodgins was released by the Bills mid-season. They liked mm -hmm. him by all accounts, but they couldn't keep him on the roster. They've got a deep group, if not a celebrated group behind Diggs. He's 6'3". He's a red zone threat. He scored four touchdowns in his last five, including one against Minnesota in week 16, where he had 12 targets, eight catches. Vikings struggle against wideout. We spoke about the over-under in this game. You could go with anyone, to be honest, of Slayton, Richie James, or yeah. Hodgins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's very hard to pick between them, but Hodgins at 4,100, considering his red zone capability. Yeah, yeah, I, I like him. And he's our rogue playoff stack with uh, Danny Dimes. I like it certainly is that it certainly is that Evan Ingram as you've alluded to a bit earlier on you like uh, and like the fit in that uh, matchup against the Chargers then you've gone for two Ravens uh, Mark Andrews as your flex uh, again Cincinnati kind of figures right given the fact there's no Lamar Tyler the comfort blanket the lack of other receiving threats Andrews makes a lot of sense in 5-2 as well seems to be good value and the Ravens D is the intriguing one I guess joining the dots when you said earlier on you think it's going to be a lot tighter than some people assume the problems of the offensive line for the Bengals means they might not be getting their uh typical Joe Burr rolling so yeah that kind of make kind of makes sense is there more to it than that or do you think close game 21 17 kind of affair or are you thinking you're seeing turnovers you're seeing uh, a little bit more to the Baltimore pick than just that we need two things to happen for the DST to really hit, with the exception of a you know a Naheem Hines style play. And mm. one is low points for the opponent, and I think I don't think the Bengals is going to score thirty. You know, I think the the Ravens can hold them tight. They have over the last few games, I think, averaged uh, you know in the sort of ten to twelve points um, holding their opponents to that over the last weekend. They're fifth in sacks as well, and this is the key. You know, we mm. mentioned it a few weeks ago. If you follow the sacks, you tend to follow the points in. DST because that's what creates pressure and therefore turnovers, whether directly or indirectly in QB play. So I just feel like the Ravens played the Bengals last week, got a good look at them. The Bengals line is depleted. The Ravens D line is better than it was earlier in the season. And their linebacking mm. core is really strong. 
I think that's where the opportunities might come. So yeah, divisional matchup, low scoring affair. Let's go with the Ravens. Quick note on the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Engram, I mean, Duval. Duval is back in the in the playoffs. We had to celebrate that somehow. Have to. Um, boom bust option. I, I, he could do nothing. He could have nine catches for 130. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are strong against wide receiver. Um, I know that there is the temptation to go with Etienne because of the ground game, but Etienne hasn't been all that effective over the last six, seven weeks. Uh, don't know whether he's just, you know, he had the ACL injury last season, mm. missed all of the year. Is he, what you know, is he wearing down a bit as the course of the season goes on? We saw him mm. lose snaps to Jamal Hasty again, Jamal Hasty, sorry, against the Titans. Maybe that's a bit more split than we would otherwise expect. Jerry mm. Bosa is back. We're expecting for the Chargers. Does that mean that, again, they go short yardage, low ADOT to a Zay mm. Jones and Evan Engram rather than going deep to a Christian mm. Kirk, for example? And then Mark Andrews, the last two weeks for the Ravens, they've only thrown to tight ends. So uh, Andrews himself had nine for 100 two weeks ago, likely had 12 for 152 last week. Since he allows the fifth most receptions to tight ends, uh, that's where the game plan will go through. And Andrews, as you said, cheap at 5-2. He's not really a tight end. He's a receiver. And uh, I think he's a viable flex who has, you know, big play potential. That is our show team. We're going to push it out on our social channels, of course. <clears throat> so you can follow suit if you want to or borrow little bits here and there. Obviously, we hope the guru is successful with the show team in terms of the prize money and making more money for our charity pot. But it's a very close second. As long as he beat Propo this week, that's all I care about. We cannot, for the love of God, have him win two weeks in a row. I don't think I could suffer him. Any, any more gloating from him would be insufferable. I'm not going into the off-season with back-to-back proper wins. <laughs> if I can sabotage it in any way, I'll yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and find a way to do that. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Dr. James Sandrini, University of Las Vegas, bought online. Good to see you, man. Enjoyed the weekend. Uh, love, love the wildcard weekend with football Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, so get involved wherever you're watching or listening. Like I say, we're on TalkSport 2 from 9 o'clock at the NC Show. If you've got thoughts about the games they're playing up, fire them over. Me and Mike are in the hot seat once again on Monday. We'll be looking back at it all. So if you've got questions, thoughts, feelings about the games, tag us on social and we'll keep our BDIs on them and, uh, and maybe get into them on that show. Guru, saluting you. Fine work, man. Playoffs. Playoffs, baby. <laughs> Playoffs? Podcast Network.